Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, back at it again with another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. And like I say, every single week, we're coming back with another fire guest. And today I've done it again. We got Mr. Mike Evans, co-founder, founder of Alibi Cookies, based out of the STL, out of the Lou. Show me state, baby. Say what's up to the people, my guy. <laughs> what's going on? How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? I love it, man. I love it. Thank you so much for making time to jump on the Voices of Value podcast today to talk a little bit about your journey and just, just share your story. So I appreciate you making time. I know you're busy. You're at the store right now, correct? Yeah, right. Baking cookies. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, let's jump right into it, my brother. Where did you grow up? Um where are you from? Talk to us a little bit about your childhood and and give us yeah. kind of a little bit of an origin story for the listeners out there who don't know you. Um, originally from Normandy, Missouri, um, grew up in, in the county, um, then uh, moved to uh, North St. Louis, then went to school in the city, um, grew up in Rose Park neighborhood, Master Bridge, Kings Highway, uh, famous Nelly song, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if they know, um, they know. Right, right. So you know they know. Um, and from that, just you know, just like any other inner city kid, just you know, pushing my way through the the city and and the school systems, and uh, eventually going to a uh, went to Triple C, which was Construction Career Center Charter High School downtown. Uh, I guess that was kind of my way of kind of getting out of the the uh, immediate school system, I guess, but still was a public school, open you know to anybody. They were just kind of selective who they chose to in there. Uh, from that, uh, I just kind of just start working and grinding and uh, just developing all the experience I, I guess I needed to get to where I am today. Uh, don't have a major university degree or anything like that. Um, I found that, you know, school is not for everybody. Um, and clearly a, a nice expensive piece of paper on the wall didn't get me what, uh, what I have today. So in a yeah, nutshell, sure. that's, that's, that's my upbringing. And that's, that's, you know, the story of, of uh, how, uh, I guess Michael Evans came to be Mike Evans. <laughs> I love it. Well, I want to double down on that a little bit. So, you know, for for some of those that don't know, uh, both the Kansas City where I'm at and the St. Louis school districts haven't been uh, <laughs> the best over the past uh, 10, yeah. 15 years. So would you mind kind of touching on the educational system in St. Louis and maybe what some of the challenges are or have been and and kind of what that was like for you as a teenager 14 through 18 trying to navigate your education and yeah. and and navigate where you wanted to lead your life once you exited high school could you kind of double down on that a little bit just for those who aren't aware of the the, yeah, the situation sure. in St. St. Louis well it starts with uh low pay for the teachers um you know teachers never get paid enough um and uh, I mean, your passion for something only goes so far um, if you can't afford to pay your bills. Um, that's that's always first and foremost is, is you know we got to pay the the people that are shaping our our young minds to you know grow up to do great things. Um, and if they're not being paid compensated for their time and their, their efforts, then you know you you start to lose your passion for it and you start to not care anymore. And it's a lot of teachers. Uh, do that you know I was kind of fortunate in elementary school when I was in Normandy um, and it's the same for every school district in no matter if it's you know Kansas City school district singles public school district you know it's it's the same you do have teachers that care that legit care um, but it's only so much they could they can spend their own money with school supplies and, and clothes and and hygiene products for students and stuff like that a lot of that begins at home uh, and, you know, I, I was fortunate to have parents that, that cared. Um, I wasn't poor, but by no means we wasn't rich either. Um, I took full advantage of, you know, getting school supplies from, you know, the, the drives and the teachers that, you know, gave us pencils and pens and markers and crayons and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the city school districts are rough, you know, that being Kansas City, St. Louis public schools, um, I believe that spending the money in the correct places on school supplies, books, and things like that, and paying the teachers more uh, will contribute to more people like me, I'd say, you know, they, they kind of grow up and start their own business and do their own thing. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's horrible and it's bad, but um, 
there's definitely a lot that can be done different um, in the school districts. And again, the major thing is paying the teachers. I, I want 1% support that 1%. Raise my taxes, pay teachers more. I 100% agree. I think uh, people often underestimate the the power of uh, incentive incentivizing individuals to to commit to something they they like. I mean, it's like anything. You know, somebody playing basketball might be obsessed with basketball, but nobody's going to play basketball till they're 44 if they're only getting paid 10k a year. They're going to figure out something else to do. Even it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter how much they love sports. Doesn't matter how much they love cookies. Doesn't matter how much they love. Uh, personal training in my in my world if you're not making enough money it only is going to last so long so I, I respect that um you you mentioned you mentioned you know there's definitely some teachers that care that look out for the students and, and become sources of of motivation or inspiration or mentors I guess you could say for some students um but for you know outside of some of the teachers you may have appreciated who were some other individuals that you looked up to when you were a young man like who inspired you who kind of led a life that you were interested in following in their path or their footsteps or kind of left some breadcrumbs of, of education or leadership for a young man like Mike um, to turn into you who you've become today who were some people you looked up to well my mom she um she was a chef she died in 2017 um and so I guess you know that's where I got my cooking aspects aspirations from oh, know my way around the kitchen pretty well uh, my dad uh, was a DJ, a very well-known DJ here in St. Louis. I called him the Godfather. He owned a few nightclubs, bars, and you know other things, you know, in the St. Louis area. So I, I grew up around music, and I grew up around cooking. Um, you know, from the DJ aspect, following in my dad's footsteps, um, starting my own DJ company and DJing at you know some of the biggest nightclubs in St. Louis, and and you know doing that, and you know breaking that off into more entertainment, doing weddings and getting the party bus and that kind of stuff. And, um, and again, for my mom going into being an executive chef and uh, director of food and beverage for a hotel chain and, you know, and then a, a restaurant chain as well. And so I, I guess, you know, my mom and dad were really you know, instrumental in, in me going down this path that I'm on now. Um, but, uh, you know, a teacher that comes out, come to mind, uh, I was in middle school, I went to Langston Middle, her name was Stephanie Blue. Uh, Miss Blue, like B-L-U-E, Blue. Um, very, very, very down-to-earth teacher, very into the students. She actually cared. You know, I will forever remember her. I'm not quite sure where she is. I'll try looking it up on Facebook, and I, I couldn't really find anything. Um, but let's just name one teacher that was, you know, instrumental and, you know, just believing in me. And she didn't give up. And, you know, I wasn't the, the easiest student, <laughs> but I wasn't the worst either, you know? Um, but she's just someone that didn't give up. And, you know, my parents never, never gave up on me uh, when I decided to make some decisions on my own. And they supported me um, and came to my rescue when I needed help. Um, I've had, you know, aunts and, and uncles as well. And it's definitely been on my side to help me out. My auntie Dale, she lives in Oklahoma City now uh, when my dad and mom separated. Um, when my mom, of course, we were bouncing around a little bit, wouldn't stay with my aunt and, you know, and and then, you know, I wound up just staying with my aunt, to be honest. And she definitely looked out for me. My uncle, uh, we call him Bino, but, you know, my, 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 my uncle Ernest, you know, and my uncle Keith, you know, those are all uh, men in my life that definitely have, have, have looked out for me and been there for me. Um, that I'm forever grateful, you know, for those, for those people. Um, so a lot of people kind of close to the chest. Um, I, I, I didn't like reach out uh, to a lot of strangers, I say I would. I observed a lot of strangers and their activities that I kind of just like kind of took and, and, and ran with it. Um, but, you know, more, more so, you know, my mom and dad putting that in my mind that, you know, my dad's never really had a nine to five job ever. He's always owned his, he's a master electrician. He has his own construction company. He was a DJ. He's always worked for himself. Wow. And so that's in me, man. I, 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 you know, I quit my job in 2020, January, 2020, and I haven't had a job in three years now. Um, so it's, it's two years, but it's, it's, it's something it's, it's all those little small little seeds, I guess people yeah, <laughs> got planted exactly. in and that's what that's, I'm a product of that now. I like to say, I, I've been hearing a lot of people say it lately. So now I like to say, it's not on me, it's in me, you know, like yep. certain, certain things, it's not just a, an external, it's an internal thing, seeds planted inside of you that just took 
however long they needed to be nurtured, you know, watered each mm-hmm. and every day and whatever way that might have been for it to kind of like spring from its roots and, and roots and turn into what it is today. So you you mentioned, you know, on your mother's side, food, on your father's side, music, food and music have such deep cultural roots, not only to black culture, but just to culture in general across the globe, you know, like whatever, whatever and wherever you go, you will find so much information about a people, like a a sect of people, a a group of people based off of the food that they eat and based off the music that they consume. So talk a little bit about the culture of St. Louis from a food perspective first and then from a music perspective. Everyone knows Nelly, but what, what other influences influenced you or might be a source of conversation amongst other, you know, St. Louis citizens, like artists that you guys really respect, music that you guys really respect. And then also on the food side, like what's well known in St. Louis for food that outside of your mother also influenced your taste in, in, in food and, and sweets like we see behind you with some cookies. <laughs> well, so I guess we start with food. Um, I mean, St. Louis is known for the barbecue. And, you know, and we used to have a ton of barbecue places back in the day, and we just don't have as many anymore. I mean, you, you say, you know, Happy's is super well known. You know, they do barbecue good. Um, there used to be this place in uh, Normandy called Reynolds Barbecue. Closed down now, but I mean, they just, just well known for just barbecue, barbecue. You know, outside of that, St. Louis really doesn't have a really food scene. It's not, you know, everyone kind of does their own thing, you know. Every restaurant's different. You'll have, you know, a string of restaurants like I'm here in St. Charles right now on Main Street. And, you know, there are probably 12, 13 restaurants and everyone does their own thing. Um, you go to someplace, you know, like, you know, Italy, again, Italian food and things like that. And you're known, you know, for things. You know, you come to St. Louis, we got barbecue and St. Louis style pizza. Um, but I'll try to take out the best in the world, of course. Uh, the best in the world, man. I, I go to other places when I travel. I'm just like, Mm-mm, never again. Can't do it. It ain't, it ain't dark enough. <laughs> it's real. It's real. It's really real. I thought that was a, a, a joke when people used to tell me growing up. But then I, I, as I got older and I went pulled up to St. Louis a few times for some Chinese takeout, I was like, oh, this shit is serious. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is serious, man. We when People fight, man, over St. Louis takeout. It's, it's it's a serious deal, man. I, I won't eat rice that, that don't look right. It ain't it ain't dark enough. I, I can't have it. <laughs> I might as well eat steam rice. <laughs> right, right. I love it. I love it. Can't eat it if it ain't, can't eat it if it don't look right. I love it. What about right. what about right. music, man? We we hear a lot about Nelly, of course, when we think yeah. about, you know, my audience is definitely primarily Kansas City, so people are definitely familiar mm-hmm. with that. But who are some other cultural influences whether it, it could be i don't know jazz it could be uh, blues it yeah. could be rap hip-hop r&b i don't care but when, when you think about music from from the time you were growing up who were some strong influences on you what were you playing a lot at, at weddings what were you playing a lot at the the biggest clubs while you were djing well i mean djing wasn't so far along wasn't so far ago i still dj every other friday at Oz nightclub um, which is the biggest nightclub in st louis um let's go it, it, it is. <laughs> so I still do that. Um, but I mean, kind of growing up, I mean, I grew up in the 2000s. So, you know, I listened to a lot of 2000s music and that was, that was you know, as far as St. Louis native, Nelly and the St. Lunatics was, uh, you know, that's who you listen to. That 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 was it. You know, as far as artists that have made it um, out of St. Louis, you know, the, the biggest names, you know, you talk about those two. Um, I mean, now I, I deal with a guy. Uh, his name is uh, Frost Money. And he owns a company called Frost Money Presents. And uh, he does a lot of showcase, a lot of local artists. Um, and it's just amazing that the talent that's in St. Louis now. Um, but still, we still are having trouble getting artists like Breakout of St. Louis. You know, it's like Nelly, you know, Murphy Lee, Chingy, uh, you know, Jay Kwan. Um, you know, those guys have busted out, you know, into the scene. And so, you know, everyone knows Tipsy. Everyone knows Jay Kwan. You know, it's one of those things, you know, um, um, but I guess, you know, now the music I play is, is kind of, you know, I still play my 2000s. I love my 2000s music. Um, I, I play what's 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 you know, what people want to hear now, you know, and not all that music is good music. You know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of it's mumble rap music that makes no sense whatsoever. But, you know, it's it's what people want to hear. And as a DJ, you know, do you. 
you know, play what you want to play or do you play for the crowd? And, mm. you know, it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, I've worked at Oz nightclub for gosh, going on 11 years now. Um, so I guess I'm doing some, something right there. Something right. Right. Um, exactly. That well, always confuses right. me for, 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 especially for people who are, are music, I guess, fanatics really love music. Obviously you got to really love music if you become a DJ and commit to like DJing for, for this many years. So like, has that been a challenge for you having to like tend to the audience, but also like trying to balance it with your own interests and taste of what quote unquote real music is, or do you really just identify and enjoy seeing the crowd happy and that's what fulfills your bucket um as a dj i don't know if you could touch on that a little bit and then we'll transition to talking a little bit more about uh, alibi cookies sure sure it's, it's a combination of all three of those to be perfectly honest with you i mean people that come to, to oz on my nights when i dj they know mike evans they know they you know dj mike evans they know his music they know what he plays you know i don't necessarily play a lot of angry music i play music that people get hyped to i play 2000s music i play a lot of twerk music you know happy music you know i like to see people jumping around and singing along to some songs and you know it's 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 a great you know it's a balance between all three of those things um every dj wants to see the crowd jumping up and down going crazy for whatever song they play but you also have to tame the clock crowd as well. You don't want to, you know, have a angry crowd of, you know, fifteen hundred people angry, starting fights, and you know, all this kind of kind of stuff. So you gotta be able to read the crowd, play songs when they know how to get out of them, in and out, you know, things like that. I respect it. I respect it. I love it. Well, I look forward to next time I'm in St. Louis, maybe popping out at a night where you're DJing. Um, I haven't been to any clubs in St. Louis before. Just popped into the city for connecting with a few people so i look forward to to making that happen and enjoying a night out under some uh, dj mike evans music so i appreciate <laughs> you sharing a little bit about that man um i want to talk about the founding of alibi cookies i, I hear there's a church kitchen involved i hear yeah. i hear there's multiple <laughs> locations involved i hear there's yep. a vending machine and uh, that that's talked about a lot in the city i hear yep. warm cookies i hear delivery pickup uh 24 7 i hear a lot of good things man and i've only yeah. and i've only known about you for a few weeks so Tell me when the concept popped up at first. Like, what was that day? What was that moment? What was that hour? Like, when did the concept of cookies, alibi cookies, the brand name, like, why not? Why not open up a Chinese takeout restaurant? Like, what? Happened? <laughs> what? What? Uh, what? What inspired this idea? Talk about the origin story, brother. Oh man! So, alibi cookies really came to me. So, the warm cookie vending machine was first. It came to me in a dream. Um, and so it came to me in a dream. And then at the time I was DJing and I had the party bus and I was director of operations for a local food uh, chain here in, in St. Louis. And, uh, I just, I got tired of working for people, man. I, I, I was over it. You know, I, I was over, you know, being treated a certain way. Um, I won't, I, I love the brand. Um, but I think, the, you know, the franchisees didn't. Um, really have an idea on how to really truly run a restaurant and come, you know, from a guy who's, you know, spent his whole life in restaurants, you know, that's, you know, there, there's, there's a line, there's a bare minimum. Um, and, you know, I, I, I still do, you know, I still like them uh, as people. <laughs> um, but uh, I quit, quit in January, 2020, I quit my job and I say, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to party bus and I'm just going to DJ, you know, I was making a good living. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit um, and no one was booking party buses. All the nightclubs were closed. All the bars were closed. No one's booking anything. So I'm sitting wow. at home, uh, just burning through savings. And, you know, the idea of the warm cookie vending machine, I'm like, man, this, if this is a Hail Mary. This is the time to do it. Let's, um, let's pause right there, though, man. A dream. It came to you in a dream. I need you to dive deeper yeah. into that a little bit as much as you can. Like, you know, uh, what came to you in the dream? Was it was it uh, an, a long dream, a short dream? Was it just the yeah. idea? Like, just talk about the dream a little bit more before you move on. Gotcha. So I guess I was flipping through Facebook and I came across a post of Japan and they had a warehouse full of vending machines, full of vending machines. I mean, you get absolutely anything, man. I mean, you you can get fresh fruit, you can get drinks, you can get sushi, you can get dirty underwear. Like it's seriously, it's it's you can get anything out of a vending machine in Japan. 
And uh, I've always had a love for cookies, um, always had a love for cookies. And so I guess that combination of my love for cookies and the dream um, kind of inspired the idea uh, for the warm cookie vending machine. Uh, who doesn't enjoy a warm cookie? Crispy edges, soft center, warm deliciousness is what we call it here at Alibi. And I mean, I don't, I don't know who doesn't doesn't enjoy it. Um, and then they're all individually wrapped, and it's like the perfect time, you know, for COVID and the kind of stuff. So, but you know, the the dream was it was a two part dream. You know how you have a dream and you wake up and you like, use the bathroom, get some water, and you go back to sleep and seem like the dream just picks right back off to the left off yeah, from. Yeah. It was kind of like that. And, and it happened in two parts. You know, the first part was me dreaming about the idea. And the second part is actually me like seeing the, my first visual of it, I would say, or what it might look like. Um, and it wasn't ultimately what it is now, but it was very similar um, based off what I've seen other vending machines look like, of course. So, but yeah, that was that was the dream. That was the dream. And so we ha we, we have to dive deeper into how you found this vending machine because uh, the, the videos I've seen of it it looks pretty high-tech man so did it start off it with the high-tech vending machine like was that the first like you found that vending machine can you kind of talk mm -hmm. about shopping for the vending machine finding it sourcing it getting it ordered yeah. can you kind of just break down the technical aspect of that for other individuals who just might be interested in that and then then let's dive mm -hmm. into like the tech of that machine how does it stay warm why does it look so cool and sleek like talk to me man <laughs> so the machine um first off we we sell the machines uh you know you can order a machine from me i have a cookie company in california that's placing the order uh, for a warm cookie vending machine. Um, and so we started that process and we're gonna get that out to them uh, here in the next few months. Wow. So if you want one, you can just hit me up and wow. order one, the easiest way. I cut all the, the bull crap out of it. Literally, I handle everything. Send me your money, I got you. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but the, the machine is, it's actually two different machines put together. Um, I liked two different machines and the machine originally was black, and I did not want just a plain Jane, Pepsi, black vending machine. I wanted something that commanded your respect. You look at it and you're like, wow, look at that thing. Um, so it is seven feet tall. It weighs 1,200 pounds. It's it, it's inch and a half of, of solid steel. Like it is something Man, I'm telling you, like it, it's... It's something that you have to look at, you know, at night, it literally, you know, and we have four machines now, it brightens up the street in front of it. Um, um, it brightens up the street in front of you. I mean, you pass by and you look at it and you're like, wow, what's this, this big white, you know, machine says I have buy cookies at the top um, of it. So I looked all over for a company that could do this for me. Of course, I searched in the U.S. first and everyone wanted, you know, ungodly amounts of money to do it so i started looking in japan and then china and um found the company and literally no one spe speak speak english it was it was crazy um so a lot of google translate um between wow. the both of us um, <laughs> was this and, through a message uh, or or phone calls or was it like through whatsapp like how was the what, what was the communication channel uh, emails, WhatsApp, messages, um, a, a lot. I mean, I, I go back and sometimes look at the first communication I had, and we're talking like just pages and pages and pages and pages of just, you know, going back and forth and back and forth. Um, so I told them, this is what I want to look like. This, this is the spec. This is the kind of technology I want. And they said, okay. So they got back to me within two weeks, and they said, all right, this is what we think it should look like. And the first one was black and said, no, has to be white, has to be white. Um, so they came back to me a couple of days later with new rendering. And I was like, that, that is it. That, that, that's perfect. Um, so we sourced all the parts and everything like that uh, from various different other companies. Um, and now kind of jump, jump fast forward. I'm their biggest U.S. client now. They have a dedicated person that speaks English there for me now. Okay. The the program they originally used, the software was all in Chinese. Now it's it's all in English. Um, the web page to the back office is now has an English page. Um, so it's like, you know, they, they have saw the value in me to stock all of the product at the warehouse now. So the turnaround time on the machine, it's not 
four months anymore. It's like a month and a half or less than that, it. depending on shipping. I love um, it. The technology behind it, it's a very smart machine. It's very sensitive. All the machines um, have girl names. It wasn't my idea. My employees come up with <laughs> most of the names. I love um, it. But all the machines are very sensitive. They have uh, pressure sensors. They have visual sensors um, all in it. It can tell me uh, the temperature of it. It can send me an alarm and let know when the temperature dips below a certain level um, or if it's too high. Um, the machine operates just like an HVAC unit. Once so the, the alarm, when, when the temperature when the temperature changes, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt because it's mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. So uh, when it when it notifies you, is it through an app on the phone? Is it through an email? Like, what does that look like? It's all three. It's an app, email, and text. I'm I'm making sure that I get this message. I, I, I set it up that way because, I mean, you would ignore one, but you won't ignore three. Um, so alarm goes off, lets me know, hey, temperature is, is within... Uh, we call it a respect zone. So because we have respect for the cookies and we want to keep them warm. So it's either below a respect level or it's higher than respect level. Um, well, the only way it goes higher than respect level if it's in direct sunlight, which that's we've had that problem at the St. Louis store because the machine faces uh, faces west. So in the evening, we get all that direct sunlight that comes in the machine, um, which you know we don't need to, it holds heat really well. It, it really does hold heat extremely well. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it sends me three, I get three separate messages. And then at that point, I can do one or two things. I can ignore it or I can, you know, dial down the temperature a little bit. If I do nothing, the machine will actually take it upon itself to do something. Either it would terminate the heat altogether for a certain amount of time, or it will turn on the heater for a certain amount of time to, in order to reach temperature again. Wow, 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 wow. I love it. I love it. That's really exciting. I didn't expect to hear uh, all that. And I could dive into the unit for the rest of this conversation, but we'll 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 try to move <laughs> forward, man. So there's there's three ways to enjoy cookies. Talk to me about it. Three ways to enjoy cookies, three ways to get alibi cookies, or three ways to enjoy cookies in store. I mean, that's that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> hey, give me the give me the answer to both of them. But yeah, three all ways. Right, how to, right. Yeah, go ahead. So you can, you can, of course, walk into any of our, uh, we're about to open up our fifth location um, here soon. So you can walk into any, any of our locations. Um, you can get delivery. You can um, dine in. We have seating in all of our restaurants. Or you can go to our warm cookie vending machines, um, which are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Same great warm cookie you get in, in, in store. You know, crispy edges, soft center, warm deliciousness. You know, you get in the vending machine. We literally fill the thing up every day and, you know, we're, we're on that machine. So on all the machines so much, um, cause we want to ensure the experience is exactly the same as you would entering a store. That's the whole focal point about the machine. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm excited for you to, I don't know if it's ever in the plants, but I'm excited for you to expand to Kansas city, man. Cause I, I, well, I, you, I, I, I got insomnia there already. <laughs> yeah. We got crumble cookies. We got insomnia yeah. cookies, but yeah. I just like, I, I like these vending machines. That's what I like, man. Yeah. That shit is exciting, man. I, I literally have never heard of something like that. I've heard of, you know, in Japan, they, 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 they get really unique with the types of products they, they serve do. in vending machines. And I know that's a thing in Japan, but we're, we're slow to catch up here in the States. Very, I'm happy very. to hear that you're on top of that. And I'm happy to hear it's happening here in Missouri, man. Like there's, there's a, there's a show where the show me state for a reason. So you're probably going to see a lot sure. of copycats after this, but I'm sure that doesn't mind you too much because you, you're the source of inspiration. So, and also, um, you know, you mentioned that people can purchase the vending machines from you. They can tap in with you. Can you dive into a little bit more about that? Maybe share the contact information uh, of how they get a hold of you. Maybe share what that process yeah. kind of looks like, just so they have an understanding. And you know, is this is this profitable? If somebody buys a vending machine and they decide to put cookies in it in Cincinnati, like you know, talk about you know, do you think it's a good idea? Not a good idea. Let's touch on that real quick. So we we call we have what's called a partner program, um, which you know. Uh, you purchase the machine, we retain, you know, a royalty percentage of, of, of sales, um, similar to a franchise, only dummy down a whole lot, whole lot simpler process, um, not as expensive, less red tape. Um, so they, they buy the machine, we're partners in it. 
they, you know, they get 90% of sales. I get 10% of sales. They buy all the products from me. Um, we ship it to them within one day or less. Um, if it's drivable, we'll just drive it to them where they can come pick it up one of the two. The other two is, is, is a license. They can buy a license from me, which is similar to the first program, um, to the partner program, uh, where they license the machine from me. Um, they purchase the machine and they pay for a license, let it be you know, monthly or yearly, totally up to them. Um, but I get that, uh, that, that money. Um, the process of getting one um, is first, you know, I tell people location is probably the most important and it's the hardest part. Or in the machine is easy. Um, literally once you wire me the money or cut me a check, I immediately call the, the builder, tell them, hey, I need an Alibi Cookies standard machine. Um, if it's a partner program, it'll be wrapped in Alibi Cookies uh, graphics. If it's, uh, you know, like the gentleman in LA that's getting ready to get this machine, it'll be wrapped in his company's logo. Um, I'll send them the artwork, they get it wrapped. Um, and, you know, then the, I'd say not the nervous, but the exciting part happens is waiting, the waiting game. So they can build me a machine now in, in a week, but, you know, shipping is, you know, we're shipping a, you know, 1300 pound crate halfway across the world. You know, there are lots of things that happen. And, you know, I have a machine that's tied up in customs right now. They have to completely open it up, look in it, you know. It's, wow, wow. I, I've been yeah. through the, the port of LA millions of times, well, not millions of times, but a bunch of times with the same package, you know. And uh, sometimes it gets, it gets red flags. So, you know, that pushes it back a few weeks. Or, you know, a ship gets stuck, you know, that happens. So it pushed back the machine two months. Um, so it, shipping is the most, like, it's, it takes the longest. Everything else, you know, you know, it's easy, 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 easy. I take care of all the import fees and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really streamlined. I make it really easy for you to get a machine. Um, contact information, you know, Mike at AlibiCookies.com. A-L-I-B-I, just, it's like, like that. Oh, point another way. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, just just email me, Mike at alibicookies.com or info at alibicookies.com. Send an inquiry. Um, again, just location is always I tell people it's the hardest part. Unless you have a location already picked out, then it's just or in the machine. I love that. And I feel like individuals who might be listening right now that might have a vending machine business already in terms of snacks, this might be mm-hmm. a, a area of vending machines that you guys could uh Test out, you know, a new a new uh, add on to your business. You you already know locations. Sure. You already have relationships in your city. This might be another opportunity mm-hmm. to explore a different uh, avenue of, of of building on top of your vending machine business. So, ladies and gentlemen, anybody out there who's interested in that, tap in with my guy Mike. I love that. That's exciting. So I, I'm gonna ask you two final questions, brother, because I could ask you questions forever. There's you. I got you time. Should... I'm good. I got <laughs> I got workers that showed up. We we got we got staff here. We're good. <laughs> God bless. God bless. So I do want to touch on staff, man, and I want to touch on business acumen. So can you kind of touch number one on how you've been able to develop your business acumen? How have you learned how to run and operate multiple stores, uh, multiple aspects of a business? Like you said, there's three ways to get cookies that require three different <laughs> types of operations at the end of the day how do you develop yeah. these systems like did you learn from your dad learn from your mom has it just been learning every day as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. did you take a course like talk to us about your business acumen and how you've been able to develop and and uh grow mentally in that space um all my experience comes from managing other people's businesses literally i mean that's where it comes from trial and error major key learning yeah, learning, learning what the mistakes they made and learning what what you know what they did right, um, which I use in my experience with Alibi Cookies. Um, I use a model called rapid growth model, meaning that I still drive my Toyota RAV4, still live in the same apartment I've lived in for the past 10 years. I haven't bought a house, haven't bought a, you know, $80,000 escalator or anything like that. I literally take all the money and I put it right back into business all the profits um so you know sometimes i do operate in the red but it's because i've taken all the money and i've spent it essentially all the money i've made i spend to grow the business more um but you know you have to have certain systems and certain disciplines in place in order to operate a multi-unit company um there's a lot that can go wrong very quickly um and there's a lot that can go right you know um but all my experience is coming from managing other people's business. Um, 
I, I did not take the course, you know, I, and some of the stuff that I guess a lot of stuff I just threw against the wall and see if it was going to stick or not. You know, I, I know what other cookie companies are doing. Um, and I know what we, we're really good at. Uh, I want to be different. Alibi cookies is different. You know, we we do we, we come up with some of the most craziest cookie idea we do cookie donuts man which is it blows people's minds still it's it, and you can order them like you can legit order them um cookie cupcakes you know our sheet cakes our heart-shaped cookie cakes are you know things that you know our shakes you know we we sell a crap ton of shakes man it's crazy the colder the weather the more shakes we sell you know um so it, it, the experience comes from managing other people's business and throwing stuff against the wall and see if it sticks again school is not for everybody you know an expensive piece of paper probably could not have taught me all the real world experience uh, rather than just sitting in the classroom listening to a professor tell me on how how to run a business than me just experiencing myself and I say this to a lot of people who who ask me like you know I said you know colleges teach you how to be managers they don't teach you how to be owners they they, they teach you how to manage businesses they teach you to go out and get a job and work for someone else, but they don't teach you how to be an owner, how to actually run a business from an owner's uh, perspective. Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of, you know, mom and pop businesses. So I was exposed to a whole lot more than I would, you know, working for a major corporation. Um, so, yeah, all my experience just, just comes from, you know, working for other people. And when I finally got my business, throwing stuff against the wall that, you know, and seeing what sticks. And now that I've had, you know, about to open my fifth location, I have what's called a cookie cutter concept. No pun intended or, you know, whatever pun intended. <laughs> so, you know, I know what works and what doesn't work now. So I can take my, you know, my cookie cutter and I can just, you know, make multiple stores now. It's really easy. It doesn't take a lot for me to open the location anymore. Um, the first one was hard. Second one was a little easier. Third one, I'm like, huh. You know, fourth, fifth, I'm like, all right, yeah, I can probably have somebody else do the opening and I can probably sit this one out, you know, which mm -hmm. I probably won't because I'm just not that type of owner. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, yeah, that makes me want to, that kind of uh, dives into some of my next questions, but we'll try to mm -hmm. simplify it down. Um, you know, obviously running multiple locations, um, again, having having delivery, pickups, having the, the machines, and then also having the other aspect of being able to get machines for other business owners and the licensing aspect. There's, there's so many things going on. What systems or softwares have like helped you scale or manage your business? So, that can that can be you can answer that in whatever way you want but two ways maybe like a mental model that you that you utilize like okay uh if this happens then i do this and then this person picks up the phone if this happens like what systems or has there been a software like i don't know just this doesn't have anything to do with your business but like ship station for t-shirt companies or something like that helps them automate their their system so talk about you know maybe a system platform software that's been able to help you manage and grow alibi cookies gotcha so for shipping we use a company called shippo and that's all they do is print labels for us you know we found out going to the post office and dealing directly with them um postage is expensive um it's it's, it's expensive to ship a, a box of cookies you know <laughs> so shippo gives us a big discount um on uh, postage and we still use the post office because you know we get free boxes from the post office <laughs> So I take full advantage of that. And um, at, in the beginning, we were absorbing a lot of shipping costs, and then we started pushing that onto the customer. Um, and so we charge a standard fee to deliver any of the 50 states and Canada. Uh, we just recently added Canada to the mix now. Wow. Um, so we're now, I guess, shipping international. And it was pretty exciting to see that first Canada order come through. I love um, it. It, it, it. It was awesome. Um, as far as uh, delivery goes, so we actually don't have any physical delivery drivers in stores. We utilize third party like uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats. Um, we found that that helps our bottom line a whole lot more than, you know, say we have a sucky day and, you know, we got a delivery driver has been sitting here all day. He or she is not happy. They're not making any money. And, you know, we've had to pay this delivery driver, you know, X amount of dollars an hour. So it helps keep labor low. 
um, just by, you know, exporting that to someone else. And it's, it's better. I'm just, I'm just being perfectly honest with you. It, it, it's better um, that way. Um, In-store staffing, um, you know, knock on wood, you know, we haven't had a, a huge uh, problem uh, like some other restaurants have had. Um, but that's a combination of a lot of a lot of things. Like me personally, I am in stores. I work with my staff. Um, I'm not one of those removed owners that sit up in their ivory tower and count their money, uh, you know, or sit in the office and push around, you know, push pins all day. You know, I'm I'm in the store. I'm making cookies. You know, I'm cleaning. I'm I'm I plunge a toilet just just 30 minutes ago. You know, nothing is above me. Nothing's beneath me. You know, I take out trash. I do whatever I need to do. Uh, my staff are more welcome to eat as many cookies as they like, you know, and when they're not at work, they get a 50% discount. You know, I have Christmas parties every year. I give bonuses out. Um, treat my staff with respect. I don't yell or scream at them. And, you know, that, you know, we've had some serious talks where I'm stern with them, but I don't need to call them out or name and, you know, disrespect them. I feel like that does not get me far with my staff. And so now I got a happy staff that tells other people, hey, I work at this amazing cookie shop. The owner is amazing. Like, you know, these are all the benefits that we have. And so now, like, it's just word of mouth, you know, like, and now I have a surplus, you know, I have applications I still can probably pull and hire people. Um, but that that I found helps me keep staff. It's just a whole respect model. I, I don't I don't yell, I don't scream. I, I've had plenty of uh, my past employers yell and scream at me, and it definitely pissed me off. It made me not want to work there anymore. Hence right. why. I want you not. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I respect so, it. I respect well, it. That there's no software that helps me manage this other than, you know, we have a POS, um, which, you know, manages all the numbers aspect of it. And everything integrates into that, meaning like our shipping um, and our delivery and our in-store all integrates into our POS system. So that definitely helps. Uh, I'm kind of old school. I still use um, Excel sheets. Um, you know, I'm pretty good with, with Microsoft office. So all of my locations, you know, we, we, they submit to me, the store manager submit to me a, a weekly operating report has all the numbers and inventory and all that good stuff. Um, and it's, it calculates itself. And, uh, you know, from that, then I can know what my cost of goods are and all that kind of stuff like that. So it's a very simple process. I didn't want to overdo it. I didn't want to make sure that my managers wasn't spending hours and hours and hours counting inventory and you know I, I need them in front of customers i don't need them back in the office doing paperwork um they're more valuable to me being in front of the customers and and making sure the cookie quality is is, is great and smiling and you know, answering the phone you know I, I need all of that i don't need them in the office you know um and I, every you know person that i hire you know we, we don't have like you know specific positions everyone's a team member or manager. That's it. The only two positions I, I have. It. I love it. You know, so I hate when people say that's not my job. It eats my soul. Man, it eats my soul. It's, that's not my job. <laughs> Why'd you have to say it? <laughs> I'm telling nah. you, man, like it eats my soul. So like, none of my employees actually say that because everyone does the same exact job. Everybody does. Including me. That's true. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to ask you, you know, I know I said two final questions. Now I'm about to ask you two final questions you're fine. again. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, so I want to know, you know, what does what does success as a business owner look like for you? I feel like most entrepreneurs coming coming up right now are people who want to become entrepreneurs are all about oh time freedom, chilling, hanging out. Like I just want to be able to like uh, you know designate allocate all this work to the employees put push it off hire va so that i can be free and just let the cash flow come in but obviously you like to be in the field you like to be in the trenches working um and then on the flip side of that you know if it's not that they're like i'm going to stack as much money as i can and and get all this flashy stuff and fly private jets and this and that yeah, and yeah. you just said that you take all your money and put it back in the business so you know yeah. just for those who might be struggling to understand what your you know, motivation, your purpose around business ownership is. Can you kind of share that with the people before we we sign out of here? I feel like that would yeah. be something people are interested in hearing. Well, I love what I do. That's that's number one. When you love what you do, it's not a job. 
you know, you enjoy coming to work. You know, everyone has those days where they lay in bed and they look at the ceiling like, I just don't feel like it today. Everyone has it. We're human. You know, we all do that. Uh, but if you love what you do, then, you know, you want it to be successful and you, you know, you want it to grow. Um, you know, I guess, you know, being on the beach and, you know, not doing anything is that I, I would call that's end game. That's retirement for me. Um, but, you know, my the success I want, I, I, I want to open nine stores this year. Nine stores. That That is my goal to open nine additional stores this year. Uh, success looks for me, you know, having 100 plus locations continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like for me. Um, and at that point, you know, then I can, you know, take a steady paycheck or something like that. You know, they kind of like take it easy. Yes. You know, as you grow, you would need to hire more people to help you manage the business. That's what you have to do. Um, in turn, you know, I can concentrate on one area uh, of the company instead of focusing on all 20 areas. Um, my thing is growth. You know, I, I do have a marketing team now. I have a director of marketing and training um, and there's someone underneath her to help you know manage all the marketing and all the the pictures and all the posters. You know, I used to do all that stuff. You know, all the posters and everything I designed. I don't have a graphic. Uh, I never took a you know a graphic design course. I'm not a graphic designer by no means. I am not an engineer, but I'll tell you what, I designed all of my logos. I designed all of my menus. I designed a machine. I did all of that just off experience with other people and downloading software like Canva. You know, we pay for Canva. Uh, you know, it's really easy to do. You know, some guy wanted, you know, $3,000 to design my menu. I designed my menu for free for $29.99 with Canva. But yeah, I designed for free, it for free. A dollar a day. Man, went to Office Depot and got it printed out for 100 bucks, and that was it. And I was done with it. Um, so, I mean, everyone has their own, you know, version of what success is. Mine is seeing my company grow, seeing my employees, you know, want to stick around, grow the company, make more money, uh, be in elevated positions. Uh, that's, that's what success looks for me, man. I'm, I'm a really, you know, humble guy, you know, you know, I've dreams of owning a Lamborghini, man. You know, my friend Ken has a Lamborghini and, you know, I actually sat in it, you know, it was only my second time ever sitting in a Lamborghini in my life. And we went to ballpark village here in St. Louis and had some drinks and stuff, but, you know, you know, he has a Lamborghini, you know, I, I want one, you know, and, and, you know, if God willing, you know, I, I make a good amount of money and the company is healthy. Yeah. I would love to purchase a Lamborghini, you know, but I don't need a, you know, 10 bedroom, 10 bathroom house. I don't need 15 cars, you know, that's, that's not that's what not you're me. working towards. You love what you do. You, no. you, 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 you have business growth uh, motivations because you love what you do and you want more people to experience it. That's what I'm hearing from you is like, you just yep. really love what you've built and you want it to be spread at scale and, and more people to be exposed to what you've built because you enjoy it. You love it. You're passionate about the, 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 the story behind it. And then if, if the sprinkles on top are a Lamborghini and a decent house and a few <laughs> trips a year with the family, then cool. But yep. that's not what you're in it for. And, and I love that. I think that's a great, um, a great place to work from because once we acquire those things, we realize, oh shit, all right, it's been 30 days having this Lamborghini. I'm used to it now. You know what I'm saying? But when you really yeah. love your business, it's like, all right, let's let's go. I want to see my people. I'm gonna go kick it with my staff. I'm gonna go, yeah. you know, connect with my people. So I really love that, man. I've I've really enjoyed this conversation more than I expected to. And I hope that doesn't sound bad, but I I I really am surprised by how amazing uh this 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 business of cookies is, man. Like <laughs> it's it's exciting, journey, man. bro. I'm excited, dog. Like, I, I don't know why I'm so excited, but it's because <laughs> this conversation really outdid my expectations. And I'm sure yeah. the listeners are going to really enjoy this. And, and with that being said, brother, I want to ask you, it's your last day on earth. I want you to think about this. You've lived to 120 years old. You've had great grandkids. You've had a family. You've, you've built, you know, over 100 locations. You've you've done everything you wanted to. You've sat in the Lamborghini for the third time. Um, you know, <laughs> a lot of great things have happened, but yeah. it's your it's your final day. And your great, great grandkids are sitting at your feet and they ask you, great, great grandpa, Mike, give me one piece of advice on how to live a fulfilled life, a fulfilling life. What are you going to tell them? This is the last thing they're going to remember you for. What are you going to tell them? Live your life to the fullest. Make decisions, learn from them, and move on. That's that's mm -hmm. really it. 
Um, if this was easy, everyone on earth would be billionaires. Everyone would have their own business. Um, but it's not. We all have bad days. We all have those days we want to give up. Um, but um, I don't give up. Can't give up. You know, do 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 everything you can to ensure that your dream comes true. I mean, that's pretty much what I would say. I love it. I love it. Mike Evans, man. Share share with the, the audience, the listeners, where they can find you, how they can support the business and, and how we can Sorry, continue. My, my brother just walked in. He's goofy. It's my, this is my brother. He's the general manager of the St. Charles location. There we go. What's up, brother, man? <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? I'm blessed, blessed, right. blessed. Um, so we have three locations open currently. Uh, one in Dogtown by the zoos at 1136 Tam Avenue. Sits on the corner of Tam Avenue and Clayton Road. Uh, a second location in order how they open. It's our Jefferson City location, Capitol. Uh, it sits at 222 East High Street, two blocks from the Capitol. Our third location is St. Charles, Missouri on Main Street, 125 North Main Street. In St. Charles, we are literally in the middle of Main Street, uh, closest to all the bars like Hugh Central and, 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 uh, I was about to say Uncle Joe's, Uncle Joe's clothes. <laughs> uh, the Honky Tonk is down there and stuff like that just opened up. Um, our fourth location is downtown St. Louis. It should be opening up uh, next month, pushed it to March. Uh, and then our fifth location, we're going to be opening up in the St. Louis Premium Outlet Mall with all the fancy stores, Gucci and all the rest of them. We're going to be opening up in the food court here uh, in the end of February. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, he just gave you the locations to go and support Alibi Cookies. Mike Evans, as you heard here, this is a real down-to-earth owner out here looking after his people, hustling, has a real true purpose, and we we appreciate that here on the Voices of Value podcast. So, Mike Evans, thank you for your time today. Is there any final words that you'd like to share with the people? Mm. Yeah, I say it again. If you're a struggling business owner, just don't give up. Just don't give up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, leave a five-star review as that is the only way we can grow. Kyle Stutzer, Voices of Value. That's it. This episode of the Voices of Value podcast is sponsored by CGS Fitness, a health and wellness company owned and operated by the host of this podcast, Kyle Stutzer. Kyle Stutzer helps busy professionals lose weight, improve their physical and mental energy without giving up their favorite foods by using his metabolic optimization protocol. If you're interested in coaching with CGS Fitness, whether online or in person, make sure you shoot an email to Coach Stutzer at coachstutzer at gmail.com saying, I want to get healthy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Voices of Value podcast. We'll be back next time.